What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and I have been screaming at the top of my lungs this dynasty rookie draft cycle to go out there and trade your 2022 first for 2023 first by any means necessary. And it's one thing to say that, and it's one thing to hype that draft class up, but I think that's something that is really important when we're talking about future draft classes is to not just accept the hype that like the Debbie community and the dynasty community has created for this draft class, but to kind of peel back the curtains and look for ourselves. And as somebody that has recently gotten to the Debbie space, I just completed a canvas to can startup with uh, my co-manager uh, at a Nelly Lytics on Twitter. We absolutely destroyed that canvas to can startup. But as somebody that's sort of started to look at the Debbie space and, and join a Debbie league, I have branched out and as you guys know, my prospect model, the RS grading system has now branched into the 2023 and 2024 draft classes. So today we're going to go over what my model kind of saw with the 2023 draft classes. And for any of you sickos out there that want to see any of the Debbie content I have to provide, I'm not going to be able to tell you, you know, you should be drafting this guy or this is your uh, like Debbie strategy kind of content. But if you want to see how these players look in the RS grading system this far out, it's an interesting thing to look at when you're trading those future draft picks. So with that being said, as always, if you enjoy the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe and leave a like. Let's go. So the way we're going to do this in breaking down the 2023 draft class is to break down every single one of these positions and then kind of talk about how the class as a whole stacks up against previous draft classes and at quarterback in the 2023 draft class you have per two pretty clear guys up top in Bryce Young out of Alabama and CJ Stroud out of Ohio State and these guys are both essentially top three consensus draft picks right now where in like the NFL draft they're expected to go top three at this point in time it's really not even controversial to say they're both better prospects by miles compared to the 2022 quarterback draft class they both they both blow Malik Willis Desmond Ritter Matt Corral out of the water as prospects and these guys easily would be at the top of the 2022 draft class as the qb1 and 2 and fighting with Brees hall up top for the 101 they both absolutely balled out as sophomores and one of the biggest inputs in my model is qbr which is adjusted total back quarterback rating which values the quarterback on all play types on a 0 to 100 scale adjusted for the strength of opposing defenses faced now cj stroud really pops in this he has the highest quarterback rating ever for a 19 year old in my entire database he was 19 to begin the season so he counts as a 19 year old he is ahead of johnny manziel's uh heisman season he's ahead of deshaun watson's age 19 season Jameis winston's age 19 season marcus Mariota's age 19 season he is up there for having one of the greatest age 19 seasons ever now did he have um chris olave jsn garrett wilson jeremy rucker he had a bunch of weapons but he still played really well that's still a very strong stat and it is still a quarterback centric type stat then you have Bryce Young who had an 87.6 not quite as elite he also wasn't 19 he was 20 I believe but both guys were still in that elite range of QBR so they both have elite ranges of QBR you know like a a minus to a plus type grade in that area and they both played at big schools right we had Bryce Young at Alabama CJ Stroud at Ohio State and they're projected to be top three picks in the NFL draft and that's really solid the only real issue for them is more from a fantasy football perspective than it is a real life perspective. I think that they are really, really clean, real life perspective type quarterback prospects. The only issue, they aren't rushing quarterbacks. They're not very mobile. Both of them had a 0% or worse market share of rushing yards in their offenses. You know, it drops them from guys who are mobile and can run the ball a little bit to a 
archetype within my quarterback database that is listed as statue they both qualify as statues who are guys that just do not run the ball at all the guys who kind of profile like that are the jared goffs of the world the josh rosens of the world and now i know that bryce young is athletic like he can run a little bit but the issue is for fantasy we don't care about athleticism in terms of quarterback rushing nearly as much as we care about tendencies and when you have a quarterback that's not rushing the ball or, or taking carries in college it's hard to imagine a scenario where they come into the nfl and they all of a sudden start to scramble against bigger faster stronger competition so as of now both quarterbacks are elite quarterback prospects which is a really really good bucket to be in that is a 75 percent hit rate of top 12 seasons at the quarterback position the only issues issue is that they are statues so they're elite statues which puts them in a bucket of guys like Stafford, Jared Goff, Sam Bradford, and Tua. So it's not great. Guys that are elite mobile Konami code type guys are Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. It's a much more, you know, ceiling oriented bucket. Whereas when you are a statue, it's tough to see a world where you can just be a dominant force, right? You have to be in terms of fantasy. If you're only, if you're not providing anything in the rushing game, you have to be so efficient that you need to be Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type efficient in terms of passing the football to just have repeated top five seasons at the quarterback position. Now, I will say this is a bucket of only four other elite statue quarterbacks. So that is a small sample. Maybe there is something in between a quarterback uh, like a Stafford, a Goff and like a, a Peyton Manning, which I think Stafford's like a decent area. But Stafford's Stafford being your like ceiling slash like median type outcome isn't the same trajectory or the same like home run swing as a guy that has a you know a Deshaun Watson Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen type ceiling so again really good quarterback prospects would easily be in contention for 101 in the 2022 draft class but there's some there's some to be desired in terms of those quarterbacks with them not being like super prolific in terms of rushing now they have another year both guys are like semi-athletic. Maybe they go out there and they post a rushing yard market share that would boost them up to mobile. Um, but we'll see. Now, we have two other guys that kind of stick out in that next quarterback tier of Will Levis out of Kentucky and Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. And Will Levis is getting a lot of hype right now. He is going in these like way too early mock drafts. A lot of them are kind of garbage. He went first overall in the CBS one. He looks like a consensus top five pick this far out. Now, these are really far out projections so they don't hold a ton of weight but he pretty much has everything set up in front of him that if he just goes out there and performs that he will be a top 10 pick when you look at will levis's like positives on his profile their projected draft capital again like top five to ten type pick and he qualified as a mobile quarterback with about 14 percent of kentucky's rushing yards last season the downside is that he hasn't flashed much in the throwing metrics i look at you know qbr he didn't blow me away and in my model the most important quarterback stat is big time throws which are just big time throws are just like throws down the field and tight windows like big touchdown throws to turnover worthy play ratio which is just like interceptable passes like almost fumbles that kind of thing and he only had 14 to 10 last season which is not good at all that's like a c plus type grade it's only like a, a 1.4 ratio that's not that's not good at all you want something that's like 2.5 and above he has a lot of room to grow in that area now it's not really too hard to see him come out there next year and play really well maybe even have like a zach wilson type ascension where he goes out there balls out of control has just a, a an amazing season that is in his range of outcomes he just needs to take that next step in his throwing metrics now on the other side of that coin we have tyler van dyke out of miami who is sort of a, a mini tier behind will levis in projected draft capital but projected draft capital is so 
fragile this far out that I would say he's in the same tier, but he's someone that's more of a, instead of a top five to 10 guy, he's like a top 10 to 15 guy. As of right now, he's out of Miami. And the issue with him versus Will Levis is that he doesn't have the rushing upside where Will Levis is at least mobile and he's going to get you some stuff on the ground. Tyler Van Dyke is a statue quarterback, but he has draft capital going for him with like top 10 to 15 type draft capital. And he had 25 big time throws to 12 turnover worthy plays where instead of being like a C or C plus type grade, that gives him like a B B minus. So it's, it's, he's much more of a refined thrower this far in, but again, the rushing upside does hurt him for fantasy. But I think that both guys have every opportunity here to make that Zach Wilson, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield type final season leap to kind of get up there with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Some other fun names I'll throw out there are Anthony Richardson out of Florida, who I love. I drafted him in my campus, the Canton League. You have Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina, Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. And all of these guys are projected to go day two. Again, draft capital is really fragile. They could go first round there. There's plenty of room to grow there. Again, when I say anything about draft capital, it's really it's really with a grain of salt this far out, but they all have Konami code designations. They all have 15% rushing yard market shares are better on their teams. And if any of them outperform expectations this season and creep into the first round, even into like the top 10, these are the guys that are going to be really real difference makers in fantasy. And my bet personally is on Anthony Richardson. I'm a, a really big fan of his game. Now, he doesn't have a rushing yard market share in this graphic because he didn't qualify. He didn't have enough pass attempts last year, but he is electric on the ground now again we're kind of hoping that he puts it together in terms of throwing the ball and looking like a competent quarterback prospect but he goes to an sec school he's a konami code guy he was second in the ncaa among quarterbacks in breakaway run percentage which is insane that he had 54.5 percent of all of his rushes go for more than 15 yards so more than half of his rushes went for 15 yards or more he was fifth in elusive rating among quarterbacks, second in yards per carry, just super dynamic playmaker type guy. Again, we just hope that we, he puts it together through the air. Now, moving on to running backs, we have the prince who was promised, Bijan Robinson, running back out of Texas. He runs out Keontae Ingram just as a as a true freshman. He runs out a junior Keontae Ingram at Texas. He has been just an absolute, just an absolute god at Texas. He has been one of the best prospects we've seen since like a Saquon Barkley he is in that tier for me I only have to this point three legendary running back prospects ever there have only ever been three since 2007 in the RS grade database and it is Ezekiel Elliott Christian McCaffrey Saquon Barkley the fact that Bijan Robinson is even in that conversation through only two years is just wild it's, it's wild company he looks the part as well he's 6'2 220 pounds he's done nothing but produce through two years and just to be clear at running back we have legendary tier which is the best prospect tier possible which at running back have a 100 top 12 season hit rate then elite which has an 80 percent top 12 season hit rate gold has a 50 percent top 12 season hit rate silver at 25 percent, and bronze at seven percent and the hit rates across positions vary but that that ordering of the tiers stays the same across all the positions now the question is outside of you know buzz and hype why is he considered in that same category of prospect and the first metric i want to point out with running backs here is adjusted yards per team play which is rushing yards plus receiving yards times two divided by team play so it's pretty much just measuring production and efficiency with a lean towards receiving production and across his first two years he matches up with the legendary running backs really well i'm going to put on the screen a chart with him next to saquon christian mccaffrey and ezekiel elliott and through two years he is right in the mix with these guys in this stat he is number he is right in the mix with saquon for having the highest adjusted yards per team play in year one and he's in that cluster in year two next to saquon barkley and ezekiel elliott now christian mccaffrey's year two was just on a, another level but 
through two years, he looks the part. Now, the other question is, is that in fantasy or just like in the modern NFL in general, we need a running back that can catch passes. And when we look at this stat through two years, he is right there neck and neck with Saquon Barkley through two years. And then you see he's kind of a tier above Ezekiel Elliott in terms of catching the football. And then you have Christian McCaffrey, who again, blows everyone out in that sophomore year. He is just a different breed when it comes to catching the football. But again, Bijan Robinson produced, he was productive, and he catches the football. I think the biggest problem for Bijan Robinson is going to be draft capital. And I think it's kind of out of his control. He is genuinely through two years he is a similar talent to a saquon a mccaffrey and ezekiel elliott who all went top 10 in their draft classes and that's no coincidence because every legendary running back a prerequisite to be a legendary tier running back is to be a top 10 draft pick the only issue is that we haven't seen a running back go i don't think we've even seen a running back go top 15 since saquon barkley in 2018 we're now in 2022 it'll be five years since then front offices are getting smarter they don't want to pay running backs they don't want to take them early it gets a little bit tough. Right now, I have Bijan Robinson projected for 10th overall. I see him go there in mocks sometimes, but I see him going in like the 20s and other mocks. Again, it's just going to come down to where a team is comfortable picking him. If he goes out there next year, he really needs to smash in year three so that a team does pick him in top 10. If not, it's on the end of the world to still be a very high-end elite type prospect in the same breath as a Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon as a just a really, really strong prospect and my next favorite running back in this class or my next ranked running back in this class is Jameer Gibbs who played two years at Georgia Tech and he's transferring to Alabama which is huge because productive Alabama running backs with pass catching skill sets they go in the first round we saw Josh Jacobs we saw Najee Harris and that's where I have Jameer Gibbs going right now I have him projected for 15th overall in the first round I actually use all most of my uh projected draft capital is just from mock drafts that I've seen out there and I kind of just mess around with them this far out draft capital is super fragile but I, I try and do the best with what I got now Jameer Gibbs is really interesting because he is a like no no hyperbole at all he is a Christian McCaffrey type receiving weapon already as of right now if we look at just running backs drafted in the first round he is the highest average market share of receiving yards through two years of any round one running back ever he has averaged 17.4 percent of his team's receiving yards on average the only first round running backs to even have an 11 percent are better or better are saquon barkley chris johnson cj spiller and christian mccaffrey three out of four of those guys are literally fantasy cheat codes and then this is what happens when you throw jameer gibbs into that same graphic from before in terms of receiving yard market share he goes toe-to-toe against legendary running backs and he goes toe-to-toe with christian mccaffrey even in year two he is that far ahead in year two up there with McCaffrey and he actually blows McCaffrey out of the water in year one he is from a fantasy football perspective where we want these just like crazy pass catching running backs Gibbs has an insane amount of upside now he's not the same guy as Bijan where he's like six foot 220 he's more of a you know LaShawn McCoy Chris Johnson Christian McCaffrey type build at 5'11 200 pounds which is interesting because it does seem like the NFL is kind of shifting towards that with uh James Cook going in like the second round is like 197 pounds there is an upside case out there where Jameer Gibbs could get drafted higher than Bijan Robinson just because he has that like crazy sort of like modern receiving back type build. It really depends what he does at Alabama and what Bijan Robinson does this year. Both of them have upside cases to go as high as top 10, especially with Bijan Robinson should be like an improved offense with uh, Quinn Ewers and you have Xavier Worthy in year two. And I think that they're also trying to bring in Jordan Addison, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, but both of them are very interesting as pretty firm round one guys at this point. I would say Bijan more likely than Jameer Gibbs, but both guys in my eyes, uh, for sure, Bijan's better than Brees Hall. Jameer Gibbs, it's tough to say, but I would 
probably put him ahead of Brees Hall as well. It, just with that receiving skill set, assuming he goes first round. Now, the wild part about this class is I would say running back is for sure its strong suit is when you look past those top two guys, because those top two guys are the just like the bread and butter of this draft class. And you have four guys in the mix that are all probably better prospects than Kenneth Walker this far out. And you have guys like Tank Bigsby out of Auburn, Sean Tucker at Syracuse, Zach Evans at Ole Miss, and Devin A-Chain out of Texas A&M. And all three guys aren't as clear smashes, first round draft capital type guys as Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, but they are on a minimum gold to elite type trajectory at this point on this graphic and adjusted yards per team play they all hover around that dotted line which is the average for top 12 running backs it's really just going to come down to can these guys finish really strong in year three can they test well and can they get the draft capital but at this point we have six running backs in the mix to be gold elite legendary type running backs and compared to this 2022 draft class we have right now we only had two gold or better uh, running backs so that's three times as many plus a guy like Bijan and Gibbs at the top, which compared to that 2020 draft class where we had Jonathan Taylor and we had DeAndre Swift at the top. And the crazy part is that this time we have prospects that look as good as those guys, but could get first round draft capital, even top 10 draft capital. So the running backs are really, really exciting. Then we have wide receiver and this class is super strong at wide receiver as well. Not as strong as running back, but one of the stronger wide receiver classes in recent years. We have three prospects that will be in the mix for legendary tier based on combine draft capital all of that good stuff but these guys are on that path and are at this point pretty much at worst elites as long as they don't get like hurt or have like a, a crazy disappointing year and i charted them all by receiving yards per team pass attempt which is my favorite wide receiver metric i have in my model which is just receiving yards divided by team pass attempts it's really simple and it pretty much just shows dominance right so like a receiving yard market share perspective but then also when you divide it by pass attempts it also puts a weight on efficiency as well. So are you dominating your your passing offense and are you being efficient? And the first guy we're going to talk about is Jackson Smith-Najigba or JSN. And he went to Ohio State and he had an insane year two. You, you see it here and he has the highest receiving yards per team pass attempt in year two among all three of these wide receivers, despite competing with two top 12 draft picks in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson which is just insane. It's actually eerily similar. This season he had, it's eerily similar to Jamar Chase's year two. He actually beats out Jamar Chase in year two receiving yards per team pass attempt, even though Jamar Chase had like Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson, where JSN had Garrett Wilson and Olave. So he is on that path. It's just too early to say that he is a legendary prospect at this point, unlike with the Bijan Robinson, because with wide receivers, it's, it's dependent on combine numbers, film grades from Lance Zierlein, a third year of steady production. So there's going to be some some you know, numbers out there in flux, but JSN has easily the best chance to be that. And I think that I would put it now at like maybe like a, a 25 to 35% chance that he can get there, which is really exciting. Then we have Keishon Boutte, who had a great year one at LSU, was supposed to be that next Jamar Chase, you know, LSU type wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. The only issue is that his second year got derailed by an ankle injury, which really sucks to see. It looks bad on this chart because this chart takes into account the entire season, so it's not per game. But on a per game basis, he was still dominant. He had six games, 38 catches, 509 yards, and nine touchdowns, again, in six games. So he averaged over that span six catches per game, 85 yards per game, and one and a half touchdowns per game in the SEC on a bad LSU team last year. So he still got it, just a matter of getting healthy and having a strong third year. Scouts still love him. He's still going like early first in a lot of mock drafts. He has a lot of buzz, again, just needs a strong third year. Then the third wide receiver on this list is Jordan Addison, who I don't even know where he plays at, at this point. He plays at Pittsburgh, 
but he's been teasing uh, an NIL transfer deal to Texas or USC. He's got a lot of things up in the air. So I don't know where he's playing next year, but regardless, between the three wide receivers, he actually has the cleanest profile. He produced both years. His year two goes toe-to-toe with JSNs. Even though he played in the ACC and didn't really have any competition on his team and he kind of benefited from like a Kenny Pickett spike year out of nowhere, he has a really clean profile. He's a little bit undersized, like six foot, like 175, 180, but hopefully he beefs up or like those numbers are wrong. Still not the end of the world. A lot of these wide receivers coming in these days are all undersized. It's not really a huge must for me at this point, but he just needs to crush another year. He's easily going to be elite, but I've heard that he's like kind of like Odell Beckham-esque in terms of athleticism, and that's not really reflected here. I don't have those numbers, but if he does perform well or he smashes at like a USC and he goes top 10, he's also in the mix to maybe be a legendary type wide receiver. Now, the other legendary wide receivers the past few years have been Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham, Des Bryant, Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson, that echelon of wide receiver. You generally have in this class three guys who have a chance at being that level of prospect and the other two names i'll throw out there are josh downs out of unc and quentin johnston out of tcu now downs had a similar path to jsn where he had a down freshman year and then a massive year two the only issue is, is that now that sam howell is gone that year two he kind of got stuck behind diami brown and daz newsome broke out in year two Sam Howell's gone now, so we'll kind of see. They have Drake May at quarterback. I don't know if he's going to start, but an interesting nugget is that they have this kid named Drake May, and I I heard that name. I was like, that's really similar to, uh, what's the kid who played on UNC? I think it was Marcus May or something. It was something May or like Mark May, something in that range, but he is brothers with that guy who I believe won an NCAA championship for the UNC basketball team. Just a, just a weird nugget that I have in the back of my brain, but Hopefully Downs has one more year of solid production and he can also, I mean, if he sticks into the first round, he's in play for elite and is probably gold at worst at this point. Then we have Quentin Johnston out of TCU who looks like Keishon Butte where he had a really solid first year and a disappointing second year. I don't really know the story with him, what happened at TCU, but both prospects again look good. Quentin Johnston needs to have a really strong third year, but both guys look like they'll be golds at worst with the upside to be elite instead of being like elite at worst with the upside to be legendary like the other three. And the last position here is tight end. And I don't have a tight end model yet. I plan on putting that together next offseason. But the one guy who sticks out at this far out is Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. And he's projected to go like top 10 at this point, late first at worst. This is what I believe Dane Brugler at The Athletic has to say about him. He picked him 10th overall in his mock draft. And he said, Notre Dame's tight end to NFL pipeline has been unmatched over the past 20 years. And Meyer will continue that streak. He has the size, athleticism, and strong pass catching skills to be a quarterback's best friend. He's 6'5", 250, looks like a prototypical tight end. He's been a mega producer. The only issue is, is like how athletic he's going to be. We don't know how he's going to test. I've tried to find like, you know, combine numbers on him, but all of those high school testing numbers are all kind of nonsense, right? You had some like fat coach, like doing a a stopwatch at like his high school. It's not going to be the best reading. So he's really just a black box in terms of his athleticism, but this is him in receiving yards for team pass attempt among tight ends that have gone top 10 in the last like five to 10 years. So you have Eric Ebron, Kyle Pitts, and TJ Hawkinson, and he blows all of them out of the water through his first two years. He is a really, really strong tight end prospect, just comes down to his his testing, but at worst, he is going to be a first round rookie draft type talent next year. So after going through each and every single one of those positions, the question becomes, how does this class stack up to the previous 16 draft classes? So 17 draft classes total. And the way that I found out how this stacks up to previous draft classes is I totaled the number of gold or better quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and 
total gold or better prospects from each of those draft classes. So how, how many of those prospects were gold or better in each draft class? And then how many of those prospects were elite or better in each draft class? And this class looks really good. It's tied for first with the most gold plus quarterback prospects, third in gold plus running backs, and tied for fourth in gold or better wide receivers. And that might not seem crazy, but again, this is out of 17 possible years. So they are this this class is top five across every position. And it's really strong considering that we have we still have a year. So we still have like a Zach Wilson type ascension or a Joe Burrow type ascension ahead of us. And we still have a Devonta Smith Heisman senior type season ahead of us. There's a lot still left on the bone with this draft class and it already grades out really, really well. And not only does it grade really well, it also is really deep. It is tied for the most gold or better prospects with 17 total since 2007. The other draft classes that are tied for first in that category is 2020. So that's when you had Joe Burrow, Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, Swift, Dobbins, Akers, CeeDee Lamb, Judy, all of those guys that just insane, Justin Jefferson, that insane draft class. And then 2008, which is like really far back, but that draft class was crazy. I think it had six first round running backs taken. So you had Darren McFadden, Chris Johnson, Ray Rice, Matt Forte, Jamal Charles, Jordy Nelson, I believe Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco as well in that draft class. So two really, really solid draft classes. And again, we still have another year to get more. Like this this draft or this class could literally break the record for most gold or better prospects in a draft class. I would say yes. At this point in time, I would take, I, I it would be close. I think that I would even debate trading the 102 away for a 2023 first. But at the very core of it, the 103 or later, I would trade for a 2023 first in a heartbeat. Now, for all of you sickos out there that want access to the Devi RS grades, so I have RS grades now for the 2023 and the 2024 draft classes. Those will be on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I think it is really, really good to get a feel for those future draft classes. So when you're trading for those future draft classes, instead of you know relying on the expertise of just like the market, I think it's really good to have the RS grades where you can already see what those prospects look like from a, you know, are they elite prospects? Are they legendary prospects this far out? It's really valuable information to have. So if you're, you know, a sicko and want that kind of info, that is going to be in the gold tier or better on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. Now, with that being said, that is going to do it for us today, fellas. As always, I appreciate you guys sticking around, hearing what I have to say about the pig skin. And as always, if you enjoy the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice, I got the juice. Ten oaks, Adam's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kinda glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.